Hey friend, welcome back to the Bookshop Chronicles. My name is Brandy, and I run a bookshop in the greatest little community in Edmonton called High Street, and I am so glad you are here. Today we are going to have a very fun conversation about adulting. Yes, adulting. Now, this is something that when we're younger, we all want to be adults. We can't wait to grow up, have all of the, you know, fun and opportunities and the woohoo life of an adult. But, you know, the closer you get to adulthood, you realize all of that woohoo is actually anxiety because of all the responsibilities and all of the things you have to do. Adulting can be hard, right? We have now got a term for it. When I was younger, there was no no such thing as adulting. Now adulting is legit. And I am so glad that you are here for a conversation that I had with Sarah Chan and Jennifer Pabellano about a book that they created called Midlife, an Anthology. Written and published during the pandemic, Midlife features the collected creative works of former members of the University of Alberta student newspaper, The Gateway. So this is a passion project that Jennifer and Sarah had. They called their friends, they got them together, and they have this beautiful relationship still after all these years that created this beautiful collected work. It's so, so fun to read. Um, Their passion project focuses on careers, self-discovery, ambition, health, love, parenting, identity as adults and all the struggles in between. This labor of love reunited friends to create this incredible book with all of these fun essays about being a grown-up as they realize it's not what they thought it would be. I mean, can I get an amen, right? It's never what we thought it would be. What did we think it would be? We have romanticized it so much when we were younger, we had no idea. So anyway, this was a really fun conversation. Sit down, get cozy, get ready, because you are going to want to listen to all of this conversation, and then you are going to want to run out and get Midlife, an anthology. It will be available at our Daisy Chain Book Company store and online, but you guys, this is a fun collection of essays. I can't wait for you to read it. Okay, so here we go. Here's my conversation with Sarah and Jennifer. Okay, well, this is a big first for me, actually, you guys, because this is the first time that I'm getting to talk to two people at once. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We're so happy to have this be part of our uh, experience with you. So, yes. So, okay. So, for everybody listening, can you guys each introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your collaboration? I'll go first. I'm Sarah Chan. I'm based in Edmonton. And uh, Jen and I are friends from the Gateway newspaper a long time ago. I was an arts and entertainment writer. She was a news editor. And after uh, about 20 years of having produced a piece of writing together, we decided to get together during this uh, pandemic situation and uh, become creatives again. But I'll let Jill, uh, I'll let Jen fill in the rest. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Sarah. Hi, I'm Jennifer Pavilano. I'm currently based in Vancouver, although I grew up in Edmonton. Um, and uh, yeah, Sarah, it happened exactly as Sarah describes it, except I will maybe question the assertion that we were becoming creatives again, Sarah, because were we not all creatives all this time? This is Just true, waiting absolutely. for a chance to make it public, more public. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, so that is maybe the, the gist of it. Do you want us to go into more? Yeah, salacious, tell us a bit. salacious detail of the project. <laughs> yes, please do invite us all in. All right. Okay. Um, okay. Well, maybe I'll I'll just go. Um, so what we did was we got uh, you know as a group of twenty seven of us together. Uh, and we all used to, um, these are our friends who we all used to work at the Gateway, the student newspaper at the University of Alberta, together in the early 2000s, uh, Y2K, A-OK. And um, we, <laughs> we decided to put together a book and it's 140 pages. It has a beautiful cover drawn by internationally renowned illustrator um, Raymond Biesinger, who is uh, a Gateway alumnus as well. And, um, and it's 27 collective nonfiction works about midlife uh, and turning, becoming middle-aged in the year 2021 and all the attendant thoughts, wisdom, hilarious experiences and sadness and all the other things in between um, that have happened to us over this time. Yeah, midlife was a real opportunity for us to collectively grieve together. Um, by grieve, <laughs> I mean during the pandemic year, um, a lot of people uh, have been experiencing, you know, their highs and their lows uh, and their lows and their lows. And bringing people together to have a project to work on, being creative in this way again. And Jen's right. We actually, most of us live uh, very creative lives. We're all still writers at work um, or writers, you know, in our community work. Um, but a lot of us are photographers, too. And a bunch of us are actually also musicians. But we haven't really created something specifically for us. And, you know, we think back to when we were 20 and we were a bunch of really smart misfits at that time and we we did know a lot about the world and there was a whole bunch of stuff we didn't know and the fun thing about midlife and actually also the challenging thing about writing midlife was challenging all of our contributors to really face something in the here and now with what's going on with uh, them in their lives now kind of around the age of you know late 30s early 40s. Well, I know, Sarah, you had sent me um, a copy of Midlife to look at ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And I was telling Jennifer earlier that I really like it. Oh, I'm so it glad. Is, I don't Yay! see, I'm 48. So I don't know if I'm considered midlife or slightly post midlife. I don't know exactly yeah, what the age good. of that is, but I. It's great. And I identified with so many of the essays, even if I had wildly different experiences and perspectives mm -hmm. than the author, the fact that it was local and the fact that we all are literally going through this pandemic at a weird time and our lives are already transitioning, right? Like midlife is already weird, even yep. if you don't have a pandemic. So to read these stories, and I was, I was saying earlier too, that honestly, I feel like I was eavesdropping on the cool kids. Because I imagine all of you guys as creatives at the Gateway having these wicked awesome conversations and sharing lives together and and fielding all of these cool stories that you wanted to share. And that just extended into midlife. It's not that different, but it really felt to me as if you all had something beautiful already. Collecting a group of stories with your friends is pretty wickedly awesome already. And the fact that you're all doing these wonderfully creative pursuits in life in different parts of the world is just so fun. So I had it so is. much fun reading it. Fun I really did. one of our guiding principles. Hold on. And Jen, I'm going to hand this off to you in a sec. But I just oh. wanted to say, regardless of what age anybody is at, it actually isn't about a specific age. And yes, we're talking about midlife because it's a word we use to, that people use to describe the midlife. But 
it's about human connection. And I think that's relevant whether, you know, you're one of my piano students that's 16 mm-hmm. or whether you're like my mom and dad who are like 70. And the funny thing is you, you thought it was uh, listening in on cool kids. And I think I can attest to our group of 27 contributors when I can say, I think a bunch of us made it to the gateway because we didn't actually feel as though we were particularly cool in the conventional senses. And so the gateway was really a breeding ground for a bunch of like wacky nerds. Um, So thank (laughs) you for thinking we're cool. But Jen, I wanted you to speak on the difference in culture that we cultivated around the midlife project that was more grown up than when we were 18. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Good call, Sarah. Um, Yeah. So uh, as you can probably think about, when we were in our 20s and, uh, you know, the early 2000s, not so woke, um, it was like, a let's say, not the most, um, you know, it had its positives. And I think we had lots of bonding and friendship and etc. But as a culture, there was a lot to be let's say desired that we, we hoped to correct with this, um, uh, with this iteration of, of midlife bringing us all together. Mm-hmm. So we um, explicitly chose to have the book be um, 50% women, 50% men um, uh, to, to really bring up the um, like gender parity basically. And also because we think it reflects like our experiences together. We decided that, I mean, when we were young and I think everyone can identify with this too, and especially when, you know, you didn't feel as though you were popular in a conventional sense. And to be honest, now that I know more about people, even those that appear to be popular in the conventional sense, those people don't feel as though they're mm-hmm. popular in the conventional sense anyway. Exactly. So, there you so what's true. really consistent across the board is that a lot of people feel as though they're alone in their experience. And, you know, when you're 20 and you're really smart and you found ways to use your intellect and, you know, you're really um, astute manner of communication to set yourself apart from your peers. And then you put a bunch of those people together. Um, You know, there was, we were all overcompensating and trying so hard to be cool. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess we were cool and that was a part of growing up, but we really wanted to reclaim um, you know, those insecurities and that overcompensation. And I mean, we obviously still have insecurities and every human ever still overcompensates because we all want to be good, you know, at what mm-hmm. we do. And we all want to be recognized for being good at what we do. But we wanted midlife to be vulnerable and authentic about that. And, um, to create a safe space with the contributors and the editing process to ensure that everybody could use their voice and feel confident about that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I could add this one thing because Sarah did such a great job there. Um, it's that I think we wanted this to be, so to speak, gateway plus, like it was who we were then, but the uh-huh. wiser versions of us, the lessons we've learned, uh, the paths we've taken and uh, bringing that maturity to the like creative writing skills that we knew we all had. Well, that's definitely how it reads. I I definitely envision (laughs) that. um, (laughs) I definitely see that there is wisdom and maturity that comes, of course, with age. And when you take a bunch of 
you know, 19, 20 year olds who are in that creative space who are, as you said earlier, kind of feeling out of sorts and you're overcompensating that right there. I have never met somebody who's 19, 20, who didn't feel that. So already, (laughs) regardless of cool kids or not, we have so much in common because I look back to those weird, awkward times of life. And I think that was the best time of my life. Mm -hmm. That was the weird, free kind of, I don't know, un unencumbered time when you could just be whatever and say whatever. And was it weird? Oh yeah, it was so weird, (laughs) but we just did it. And I like the fact that what I really got from reading the essays is that people who have gone through that and acknowledged that that time of life was kind of strange. Was it creatively blossoming? Yes. Did we have so many great memories? Yes. But it was also very tenuous and it was difficult in so many ways. And now that we're approaching midlife and we're looking at all the ways the world is changing and who we are and how we reflect what we used to love into what we are doing now. I think the essays in this book do that really well. And I think one thing that I really appreciated about it was there was humor. There was definitely some raw intimacy in them, but there was also a willingness to say, I I don't know what's next, but here I am. And I really liked that. I identified with almost every single essay in that book that I read. And I really appreciated that because I think we forget sometimes that there we have so much more in common with each other than with what separates us. And your book was just brilliant in binding people together. It was oh. one complete story with so many different awesome perspectives. And I loved yeah. it. This oh. is music to our ears. Totally. I mean- Jen and I booted this thing into gear. It started with a phone call at the end of November. We pitched all our contributors uh, January 2nd, and the book will be printed by the end of this month. Like It has been breakneck pace. And I mean, we're obviously very proud of our contributors and uh, what we've created here. But I mean, this is our little baby, and Jen and I are sending it out into the world. So thank you Mm -hmm. for the feedback. That's exactly what we hoped people would feel from it. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree. I was uh, thinking about too, like, um, you know how other anthologies, when you read them about a certain topic, they are authors that are disconnected from each other. They're usually drawn, Mm -hmm. you know, like whoever the editor knows or however that works. Right. And the thing that is particularly unique about this is that, yeah, all of us are actually friends. So you can see how, um, each of these stories all has a sort of like second layer, second context to it because you go, Oh, right. The person in this first essay is friends with the person in the second one. Mm -hmm. So they're all part of a a group that you might know, uh, or it might remind you of your own friend group and how those complexities can exist within a, um, you know, within, within a little community together. And, uh, and it's also like an extra fun special Easter egg that you're like, oh, well, they're all like actually friends after this. So. <laughs> yeah. I really liked reading the bios after each essay and realizing how a couple of them like were married to each other. And just the, yeah. the bond that felt like it was a thread that went through the whole book was just so fun. Well, this yeah. was really evident in our process too, Brandy. And this is, we didn't, We are, Jen and I are very high performing, smart, organized people, but we did not. And of course, we just went in and started doing it as we do. But the process of writing was very challenging for everyone. These sorts of pieces are not the sorts of things we're writing at our work. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been a long time. And I think uh, some of our contributors have probably written about their feelings never ever. And um, it was such a supportive experience because we were able to be friends. We had little little pods and nodes of 
other friends, you know, who are closer to, or like 27 of us, right? And there were, we, everybody was helping each other edit yeah. their work. Uh, we had a bunch of draft workshop um sessions, you know, where one of our contributors is a creative writing professor at Emily Carr, and she led us through draft editing and editing processes and personal nonfiction essay writing. It's Erica, it was, Erica Thorkelson. Erica Thorkelson. What, what a gift. What a so gift, many, exactly. Actually, so many of our contributors have been intense gifts to this project, but I just wanted to speak to the process of crafting the essays. They weren't easy to do, mm-hmm. and um, I'm and not easy to take down to four pages. They're actually quite short. And Mm -hmm. I'm really proud of what everybody produced. Yeah. I love that you said that because it does feel like as you're talking about it and you're having all these collaborative pieces together just to make this baby happen, I love that it felt like such a love project for you guys, that you all shared the intensity for it and the dedication to making it awesome. Mm-hmm. You didn't just throw this sucker together and say, we're just going to see what happens. You still attended to this with such diligence. Yeah. And I, I love it. I really do. The process was robust. There yeah. was like, editing, 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 proofreading. And um, I'm just so proud of everyone. And Jen is actually a project manager in her her real other life. And uh, she really <laughs> kept us organized. This would not have happened uh, to the caliber of quality that it has without her. All right. Way uh, to go, Jennifer. Way to go, Jen is right. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe I should add that um, uh, we, we had some like basis on this because all of us used to work at the Gateway, right? And that was like an actual formal newspaper. And, um, you know, sure, it was filled with maybe jokes about things that were a little bit unsavory. But um, but really, they it was like a rigorous process uh, that we used to, to work on through that. Uh, we used to newspaper. produce two papers a week. Yeah, it used to be every Tuesday and Thursday, there would be at least a 16-page newspaper that you would have to like. Wow. You know, ed, you know find a content process, edit, process get it layout etc and so that's something that our team i think was very used to but also like it, it is a little bit fun for us i think too like we like that <laughs> so um you know in the same way that like say that your little league baseball team when they get together they play baseball together maybe when we get together you, when we get together as former people who used to work at student newspapers we like to write together and edit and and make things so so that it was leaned into our um a bit of a nostalgia piece as well. It's uh, it's such a powerhouse collection of people. But if if we didn't have all of this diverse expertise and also the relationship and the safety to have these discussions, mm-hmm. we would not have the level of publication we have. And so we would even um, have discussions like, do we call people blonde and brunette? You know, uh, because I don't know if that's the way we talk about how someone yeah. looks anymore. And mm-hmm. uh, even having an ebook at all was actually yeah. brought to us by Iva because she said if we're creating a project that is about um, inclusion, we have to ensure that we have a mode of accessing this work for everyone. That's why there's an ebook. Huh? That's yeah, a great thing to consider. Not just because we want it to be cool. Yeah. So you have fun. a very creative team around you. That's a yeah. real gift because I know a lot of people who are putting out their first book, they are struggling with all of the different steps to get it done, to have it look great, to make sure that the words on the page reflect their heart and their mind and their inspiration and are put together properly and all of those things. You guys just have such a beautiful amalgam of creativity 
Um, I think it's it's quite extraordinary, actually. It's I think that's um, something that came from our work at the Gateway too, because it was really DIY. Like you really were just given, hey, this giant printing press and a budget, and like go for it, you know. <laughs> and and everybody, yeah, I think that has been a foundational experience for all, uh, every one of us in terms of it gave you um, an understanding of what could happen if you just had creativity the willing to make something happen the way you wanted it. And we've all taken that into our lives in the future. And to mess up too. I mean, oh, yeah. there were mm. so many mess ups <laughs> and like trial and error and learning back then. I was never an editor, so I didn't have to lay this thing out or manage, uh, manage writers. But um, we, our pool of talent is, it. thank you for noting, Brandy, it's really exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um uh, it's a blessing and a curse because it also means that in terms of things we want to do with the project, the sky's kind of the limit because uh, <laughs> we have so many choices because we have so much expertise. Everyone on the project is an expert in at least two to three things. And um, I would in their work life and, you know, on this project as well. So yeah. we are. Or really at least lucky. they're like, we can figure this out and then we'll figure it out. <laughs> Our group is really good at learning things. Yeah. Oh, sure. You must be, though. Right. When you're adaptable and teachable and creative, literally, as you said, the sky's the limit. And when you have a number of those people in the same room at the same table working on a project, wow, that is kind of, that is a dream team. And, you know, I think that's sort of the point of the book and the process that we went through and the whole experience was that um, I think, you know, I say it in my introduction, but midlife often puts you, you end up, your choice is narrowing, right? You end up in a few categories in your life. You, I'm this job. I am this sort of parent. And you're this you know role. that you're, yeah. yeah, I'm this role. Um, and we know that everybody contains so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, these, this was one way for us to, to let it out. But um, I mean, it's, I think those future things that Sarah alluded to uh, hints at that, right? Like that we know that we're more than what our LinkedIn profiles say. Um and this wouldn't have been possible if we weren't all living through a pandemic. I mean, I nobody no. wishes the pandemic on the globe, you know, uh, on on everyone and the impact it's have had on our lives, our work, our businesses, our families. Uh, that being said, people and myself and my husband included, and I know Jen and her husband included, and well, everyone, that nobody would have been available to jam on a project like this um, because we've been spending a considerable amount of time with each other online and we just would not have been available. So this probably would never have happened without the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't have, for sure. Yeah, I think there have been a lot of really beautiful opportunities and creative explosions that have come from the time at home during this pandemic, which we wouldn't have been able to focus on earlier. And I think that you used your time wisely because this is a great collaboration. Uh, I think that midlife, especially during the pandemic, is it's unexpected. It's kind of lovely and it's relatable. But the book provides such great diversity of experience and expectations that you only get to really reflect on when the world slows down. Yeah, Because yeah. sometimes you just get so caught up in the pace of life, you just don't really get to think about it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing that I really felt was everybody had a chance to sort of go, huh, and then have a thought. And those thoughts were beautifully put on paper. Thank you, Brandy. That's, you're uh, welcome. You're one of the earliest readers of this that is not related to us somehow. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, I'm honored. It was really if, fun to read. By uh, the way, if you find any uh, typos or strange editing quirks, please send them to Jen and myself so that we yeah. can do that. 
No, you got it. Don't tell well, us. Well, at least actually. in the ebook, we can remedy yeah. that. <laughs> sure, sure. The cover is really, really pretty. I'm yeah. so a sucker for a good cover. That's why in our store we have so many face outs because I just want to see all the beautiful cover art. And the midlife cover is very, very pretty. Yeah, We're very lucky. Uh, it's a uh, it's... maze, and so it's a giant M for those of you who aren't uh, looking at it when this podcast becomes uh, broadcast. But it's a maze, and there are so many different paths and choices you can make uh, from your birth until your end. Mm-hmm. No, we, oh yeah, but uh, so it's drawn by Raymond Biesinger. So he's like an illustrator and a very smart, super amazing guy, um, and. He, but he, if he, you look at the maze, he, he explained that the only thing you go through for sure as you finish the maze is midlife. Everything else is a detour. Ah, good point. Good so, point. Yeah. So this like is this one bit that we all are going through, but everything else in your life might be a little different, but we all end up on the same path and we all end in the same place. <laughs> it's true. You know, when I was younger, like I was in my 1920 phase, whatever, I thought midlife was old. Right. Like I was convinced yeah. that that is like yeah. pre senior citizen, like get your walking cane, your hearing aid. Like I'm sure that midlife was depicted in movies and TV as far too old. And so I thought I was so removed from that. That was ages away. Now I'm right in it. No, and I, know, right? I think sometimes that my my mind and my reactions to things feel still like I'm in my mid twenties. Mm-hmm. And I look at my body and go, Oh yeah, nope, that's midlife right there. <laughs> that's yeah. Catch up a little bit. It, it creeps up on you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. Too. yeah. Like what happened? Yeah. Yeah. You it don't, does. you don't, it's not an obvious, it's, it's the mushy middle, right? Of life as it is in all other things where you, it just creeps up. It just shows up. You're, you're suddenly one day you look up and you're like, wait a second, <laughs> right? Where what happened? <laughs> and you're supposed to have done all these things that you planned when you were young, right? Yeah, or you when did. I get older, I'm going to do all these. Here's the list of all of my accomplishments yeah. I'm going to have by the time I'm whatever age. Yeah. And then when you get to that age, you look at the list, go, oh, sick, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or Brandy, Oops. what's even more interesting is that a bunch of the people did all those things. Like mm-hmm. in our, our contributors, they did the travel, they did the job, they moved to the place, they, they've lived this fantasy life, like they have realized their dreams and something's still missing. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's so true. So whether you did or you didn't. Yeah. yeah. So that's been strangely consistent uh, for everyone. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, if somebody had told me that at this age, I would have been a social worker, been married with two kids, had the house with the dog and the, you know, done the vacations and all that kind of thing, and then opened an indie bookstore in my favorite little community, I would have said, mm, seriously, like, are you kidding me? But I, I did all that. And you're right, there is still that, huh, there's that nagging, it's like a gap. There's a gap somewhere that I'm not exactly sure how to fill. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. it's a curious thing that I think so many people have in common, although they don't openly acknowledge it as honestly as your book does. I think yeah, for myself um, personally, it's like, you know, I did all of those things. I, I achieved all the things I was supposed to achieve. I'm a very good girl. Um, but then you realize, you're like, where did these ideas come from? Mm-hmm. You know, the ideas that I wanted these things, were those my ideas or did I pick that up somewhere along the way, mm-hmm. you know? And then the really fun thing about being in midlife is being empowered enough or being in a position to feel empowered enough to say, you know what, the next dreams and the next goals I have and, you know, the next place I choose to go, uh, literally and metaphorically, are actually up to me. And mm-hmm. the unknown is... Um, 
really inspiring in its uh, kind of discomforting way. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And I think the mystery of that is exciting. Can I can I add one thing about the book before we leave, if we're, if please, we're wrapping up please. right now? Yes. Um, which is, I think, one thing that I've been emphasizing, but I don't think we talked about it 100% here, is that this book is really Canadian. And I think that's yeah. really important to highlight. Because um, one of the things that I was craving in, in even producing these essays and whatever is that, you know, you, you get sent a lot of really great essays from the New Yorker or from like the New York times or whatever. And they're like thoughtful. They're, uh, but they're about the American experience and there's nothing wrong with the American experience, but it's not our experience. Cause sometimes, you know, you read a great essay about like a woman dealing with the troubles and you're like, Oh, wait a second. She only got three weeks of maternity leave. And you know, like, Oh, she can't have healthcare without being, you know, like all this stuff. And you're like, that's not a pressure that we deal with here in Canada mm-hmm. in the same way. And so so then I was like, oh, I'm sort of trying to port an American experience onto my life and, you know, get some things from it. But there's always like a little bit of a gap there. But you're like, but surely, surely there are Canadian voices that can can talk about this. And uh, and that specifically and I think, comes through in our book because, A, we're all Canadian, uh, either in origin, uh, because some of us are living abroad now. Um, and we come to it with that perspective. But um, this is like a lot of thoughtful essays on midlife that come from Canadians just like you and me and um, and, and really are able to, to pull the wisdom from that experience in a way I think that will really resonate with uh, Canadians of all ages. I and agree. If yeah. we're adding things, I'd also just like to add that Jen and I are fully aware that how privileged this group of 27 contributors is. And by privileged, I mean, um, yeah, people were working full, full, full time, you know, to put themselves through school. And uh, we all, all, 27 of us do come from uh, diverse experiences. And I believe for both Jen and myself and some of the other contributors, our parents were immigrants to Canada. So that being said, we met at the University of Alberta and even being in university and completing, uh, we all completed our post-secondary, if not more degrees after that. And so whatever our backgrounds and whatever hard work that was required to get us to where we went to, we had the benefit of education. And that really is a privilege. And so to, we acknowledge that as well as uh, people who've made this book. And also, um, we kind of wanted to give back to the community too. So every dollar uh, from a purchase will go towards the Edmonton Community Foundation to support a scholarship initiative. Every dollar? Do you mean every dollar of the... Oh, sorry. A dollar, One dollar of every, from every oh, sale. A dollar. Okay, yeah. yeah. Goes towards... Can you tell me more about that foundation? Uh, yeah, Edmonton Community Foundation is the community foundation in Edmonton, which is a place where you can have an endowment or instead of uh, giving to specific charities, you can feed into the foundation and it gives in perpetuity. So that's yeah. kind of how foundations work. But Jen, you had selected a specific scholarship that really uh, spoke to you. Yeah, I don't know the specific name, but it actually gives um, money to scholarships for people from refugee or um, uh I think it's an underserved communities backgrounds uh, to help them go to university because I think that's the the experience we wanted to uh, lift up uh, because that has been so formative for us. That's brilliant. And I love the fact that you guys have done that, that you've made it not just um, a podium of opportunity for people to have their say from the university to give Canadian voices to these creative experiences about midlife, but you're also using this opportunity collectively to benefit others. 
Like, I mean, well done. You guys are just, you are absolute rock stars. Thanks, I'm so, Brandy. I'm so excited about this. Thank you. Jen and I are really nice Tell your people. friends. <laughs> Tell your friends. It's not just a good book. We're yes. actually really, yes. really good human yeah. beings. Please notice us. Yes. We really want you to, we, we really, you know, we want people to get the book because we think that it'll really resonate. It'll really make their lives a little bit, you know, better. Like it's some wisdom that you can, um, carry through into our tagline your... is that you'll you'll laugh at least once and you'll mm-hmm. cry at least once yeah we yeah. think so well and the humor parts i think were such a brilliant addition one of my favorite humor parts i think was the um the ad the what was it the um what do we used to call it in the newspapers when you used to have the ads for classifieds classifieds oh, right yeah. yeah right look at that yeah that was just did that you was get the puns addition. i did Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like going down memory lane a little bit because I haven't really considered classifieds. See, I didn't even remember the name. Yeah, that was a nod that. to the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. Because we used to have classifieds in it. They were always, we, we would write fake ones for the joke issues, but that's what we did again. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. good. Yeah. We still got it. Yeah. It was good. And I did not have the university experience like you guys did. So I'm very grateful I got to have a little bit of a taste of it through all of your collaborations and your beautiful literary treats that you put on paper for us. I mean, it's really, really fun to read. So oh, if you are listening to this, people, get the book, share the book, give the book. Mm-hmm. And by all means, tell people about it because yeah. you will be happy about it for sure. Midlifebook.ca. That's the website. That's one where you should go if if you're Midlife not a Daisy Chainer. Because yeah. that's where you'll be able to get the ebook and stuff. Oh, and uh, by the way, we did. I don't know. We didn't send it. Uh, if you buy the hardback, uh, you, you get a, do get a copy of the ebook. Uh, so do Included. if you buy it from Daisy Chain, send us an email at the on the main website, and we'll Brandy you will up. let you know what to do. I will. I will. And I will put a link to that on our show notes as well. So people can actually go right there and tell people and share the heck out of this thing. Cause we want to get as many eyes and ears on this book as possible. So, Oh, yes, that's so that's you. great. We're so happy to hear that. Uh, thank you so much, Brandy. You're so welcome. You guys, I'm so proud of you. Well done. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks mom. I mean, Brandy. <laughs> well, that conversation was just a little too much fun. What you guys didn't hear is all the fun times that Jennifer and Sarah and I had before and after we hit record. They are beautiful people and I cannot express enough how grateful I am to spend time with them and to promote their book to you. I think one of the lovely things about stories is that we are talking about all different times of life, right? But so many stories that get a lot of attention are the ones that are the victory stories, the overcomer stories, that kind of thing. Those are important. But I also think that as Jennifer stated so well, that we need to sometimes think about the messy middle. And that is where most of us are living. So to know that we are not alone, to know that other people's situations can really validate our own, makes us feel more connected to the people around us. And the fact that this is right here, this is local from Edmonton. You guys, I can't get enough about this. This is so exciting. So their book, Midlife, comes out today. Yes, it does. You can get it, of course, at Daisy Chain Book Co. Of course, you know we have that book. And if you have more questions about Sarah and Jennifer and their whole collaborative team, please go to midlife.ca and support the heck out of these guys. They are local. They're creative. They're fabulous. So friends, no matter what stage of life you are in, shine a light of humor, 
kindness, and compassion in everything you do. Be relevant, be generous, be unforgettable, and may your reading life be extraordinary. Until next time, friends. 